I'm Lauren Sherman, the writer behind Puck's fashion and beauty memo line sheet. And I'd like to welcome you to my new show, Fashion People. On every episode of Fashion People, I'll be talking to insiders about the stuff we're all whispering between the press releases. From M&A rumors to celebrity stylist dish to the future of legacy media. Be sure to follow and listen to Fashion People, a presentation of Odyssey in partnership with Puck. Available on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Unhappy Hour, the show where we bitch about all the things we love to hate every single week. I'm your host, Matt Bellasai. I'm here in my closet recording far, far away from my producer, Barry Finkel. Hi, Barry. Hi, Matt. How's your quarantine going this week? It's fine. I feel like we're in it deep enough now that like nothing has changed. Cool, cool. <laughs> I started I started like swiping more on the apps trying to get back and it's it's refreshing to get back to my favorite hobby which is being ignored by men. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay. Seems super healthy. <laughs> I know I had therapy and I was like, it doesn't help that like my main thing is that I get obsessed too quickly and now there's nothing to distract me. So um, (laughs) just going to do some great spiraling anyway. (laughs) I'm totally healthy, totally normal. How's your week going? Well, uh, I am leaving the city for a tiny bit to visit some family, uh, Alex's family in Boston and New Hampshire. So we we've been like quarantining. Uh, you, are you gonna have some chowder? Yep, yep. We're gonna you we're gonna have some chowder. Crabs we're gonna and clams. Cars, you know, that's all we're gonna do. <laughs> that's all I know about Boston. <laughs> uh, in order to do that, we got COVID tests, which I can only describe as having a pap smear for your nose. Beautiful. Well, I wish you the best in your test results. The closest I can get to relate is waiting for my ACT scores when I was (laughs) applying to college. I'm just excited to record from a different closet. It's going to be so exciting. Yeah, this corner of my room is disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) I really need to start cleaning. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Coming up today, we're going to kick things off with Worst Things First, where I chat about the most ridiculous worst news of the week. After that, we're diving deep into fireworks, because it's technically the week after 4th of July, and I'm sick of them, okay? And then we've got comedian, writer, and performer Ian Lockwood on the pod as our guest complainer. And then finally, we got our chasers, including our new segment, Do Better White People, where we highlight anti-racism resources and actions that we can all take. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's light up the night sky and start the show. All right. Worst things first. Let's talk about the worst news of the week. First... Police in Louisiana were able to capture a man who dove into a fish tank at a Bass Pro Shop. Not not just because he felt like it, but more importantly, because he was celebrating getting 2,000 likes on TikTok. I mean, as someone who grew up going to the Shedd Aquarium and seeing people go into that central tank with all the sharks and fish and stuff, like it does seem like a pretty sick time. I don't feel like nature, like nothing underwater 
we shouldn't be allowed to get that close to it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a reason we can't breathe underwater, so we shouldn't be there. Is that what you're getting at? What I'm saying is aquariums should be illegal and by extension, (laughs) so should Bass Pro Shops. (laughs) <laughs> I remember I wasn't a part of it. There was some like senior night in college and Northwestern got banned from going to the aquarium because some like frat bro threw a beer bottle into one of the tanks. <laughs> Sorry that that fish looked like it wanted to party. Uh, Yeah. What What's one beer going to do to a fish? Okay. I think he'll be fine. He's not driving. Okay. <laughs> anyway. This man, whose name is Kevin Wise, (laughs) okay, (laughs) irony, am I right? Your name is your fate. Yeah, Wise. It's written right into his birth certificate. One day, this man will destroy a tank at a Bass Pro Shop. Uh, Anyway, he plunged into an indoor aquarium at a Bass Pro Shop in Bossier City to follow through on a promise he made to his followers on TikTok. He said, if I got 2,000 likes, I would jump in the tank. I got way more than that, and I didn't want to be a liar. The man, he's transparent. He follows through. He sets his goals and he he doesn't let go of them, you know? Um, sure. I mean, yeah, he he followed through on his goal. Here's the thing. I I say normalize abandoning your dream. <laughs> normalize letting go of bullshit goals. Even and I'll just say it, 2000 likes is not enough likes to do something like jump into an aquarium at a Bass Pro shop. That's fair. The man said um, that he will continue to make videos for his followers, but cautioned against doing similar, quote, spur of the moment pranks. Is okay. it spur of the moment if, <laughs> if, if you it's literally premeditated? <laughs> it's the opposite of spur of the moment. You promised <laughs> you would do it. You set a condition. <laughs> Like, literally. Moving on. Next, a woman in Florida, only in Florida, is filing a lawsuit against her neighbor seeking a paternity test for her goats. Hell yeah. Maury, Maury, Maury. This is exactly what we need Maury for, okay? (laughs) I don't know where that man has been. I don't know if his show is still on, but we we need the paternity test. I didn't even realize paternity tests existed in the real world. I thought they were just on Maury, which is only kind of a joke. (laughs) Anyway, the woman whose name is Chris with a K as in Karen is suing her neighbor, Heather, over five Nigerian goats named Bella, Gigi, Rosie, Zelda, and Margot. Wow. Get it? Honestly, amazing job in naming. I mean, two of them seemingly are named after Hadid sisters. Um, and I only barely know what that means. So it's it's chill. OK. Um, anyway, Chris with a K is in Karen paid nine hundred dollars for these five goats. OK, I don't really know much about retail value of goats, but that seems like a steal. It does seem like a pretty good deal. Nine hundred dollars for five goats. Yeah. But she paid $900 for the five goats, believing that they were registered with the American Dairy Goat Association, which gives them a higher value than unregistered goats. Okay, you got to get your goats registered, people. If anybody is listening and you have some unregistered goat roaming around, just know he's not as valuable. Okay? Anyway, Heather, the woman who sold the goats, said that the father goat was registered 
But then the goat association was like, actually, we've never even heard of Heather before. She's <laughs> not an active member. And so they denied this application to have the five baby goats registered. Mm. I don't exactly know what a paternity test would accomplish in this case. Yeah. What If that goat had not been registered, confirming that that's the goat dad wouldn't do anything, right? Like, what does that solve? That's why I'm confused. I don't know. But I'm not I'm not a goat lawyer. OK, so who fucking knows? I don't even uh, the fact that there is an entire American Dairy Goat Association <laughs> that there are there is a bureaucracy behind the um, American goats is stunning to me. That is news. That is breaking. When people say breaking on Twitter, like I haven't read the same thing a hundred thousand times already. You're not breaking shit, okay? We we've all seen it. We all got the alert. Fuck off with your breaking. This is breaking news. There's an American Dairy Go Association. Send out the bulletins. Anyway. <laughs> Next! Also in Florida, a Pizza Mambo, which I'm is listening. a yes, a restaurant in West Palm Beach, was forced to close for a day last week, which is already why are they even open to begin with? Isn't Florida like an epicenter right now? Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, they were open, I guess, but they were forced to close for a day after an inspection by the Florida Department of Business and Professional Regulation, which discovered stashed in the restaurant's freezer an 80 pound dead iguana. That's a big ass iguana. Yeah, I don't think I realized how big iguanas were. Well, I don't think they're all that big. I guess I didn't know they could get that big. I don't know. I think it's one of those things that they just like grow however big of of an area they're in. Um, sure. This has been Science with Matt. An employee of Pizza Mambo told the South Florida Sun Sentinel that the uh, iguana was given as a personal gift to the owner. Unclear whether it was alive or dead at the time of gifting. And that it was stored in a separate freezer away from the restaurant's food. And that they did immediately throw it away after they were informed it was a violation. I don't really know if you have to be told you're breaking the the rule to know that you probably shouldn't keep a dead lizard with the rest of your food. But I don't know. Who knows? What I guess you're if you're keeping meat any anywhere, it's all dead animal. Yeah. What's pepperoni? You know. Well, they did say that. Um, for some people, iguanas are a delicacy, and one company does make iguana sausages and burgers. Okay, so like maybe these people are fucking innovators, and yeah. we should let them experiment for the better of pizza toppings across the nation. Iguana sausage pizza would be the uh, most obvious Florida food pro- probably ever. The fact that there's not iguana on every single pizza served in, in, in Florida is kind of amazing. I agree. And finally, over in the United Kingdom, officials at the Queen's uh, official Bal- Balmoral Balmoral estate. This is like her summage castle in Scotland. Sure. Okay, I've seen the crown. I know what's happening here. Officials at the Queen's summer castle are taking action after locals have taken to shitting and pissing all over the royal property. <laughs> yes down with the monarchy 
So because public toilets are closed during the coronavirus lockdown, some people have taken to blowing their insides out all over the outdoors near busy walkways and near monuments. Staff at the 50,000 acre property in Aberdeenshire, sure, were, were forced to tweet guidance last weekend on where and how visitors should go to the bathroom. Quote, if you need to pee, please do so. I just love that this is all coming from like an official royal account. <laughs> Let me try to do an accent. Please. <clears throat> this is an official declaration of the Queen. If you need to pee, please do so at least 30 meters from locks or streams. If you need to defecate, do so as far away as possible from buildings, paths, watercourses, and farm animals, bury feces in a shallow hole, and replace the turf. I think you really got it with paths. <laughs> It went to straight. <laughs> it went to straight Midwestern <laughs> British. <laughs> I yeah. Anyway, people are just shitting and pissing everywhere. Aren't pubs open in the UK? I don't understand. I think we're we're recording this before this coming weekend, but um Oh, okay. But listen, if I had the choice between going to a pub right now or shitting outside of a royal castle, guess which one I'm choosing? Both. That's it for this week's Worst Things First. Next, we're diving deep into why fireworks are the worst. Take that, Katy Perry. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. Deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive, deep dive. The 4th of July has come and gone, but fireworks are still bursting. Even though all fireworks should be illegal literally 365 days a year. Okay? I'll say it. Fireworks have become a weapon, especially in New York. And I, for one, am sick of it. All I know is that fireworks are the bane of my existence and I I just I feel like they're 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 loud and they're stupid. Okay? They're the premature ejaculation of visual entertainment. Just just all eruption and no pleasure as far as I'm concerned. Katy Perry was actually insulting you by calling you a firework. If if I'm being honest, because you know what I'd rather be? A plastic bag. Useful. Useful for carrying foodstuffs. Indestructible. Refuses to break down for millennia. That's who I want to be. So not a fucking firework that blows off and lasts for three seconds. Uh, so we should really rethink that entire song. That entire song should have been about plastic bags blowing in the wind. How dare she insults plastic bags blowing in the wind while fireworks are out here terrorizing people. I'm sick of it. So this is why I hate fireworks first. And I'm sure I won't be the first one to tell you this and I won't be the last, but I just need to get this out of the way. Nobody, nobody wants to see your stupid fireworks video. Nobody ever in the history of both fireworks and visual recording has ever enjoyed a video of fireworks. Even the best video of fireworks is literal garbage. And if I see even one more Instagram story frame of a single firework 
where the firework is the focus of that shot, you will be blocked. I can't take it. I can't take it anymore. I don't care what time of the day. I don't care if you have the best camera. You just peeled off the little plastic from your brand new iPhone 20. And it's got the ability to follow that firework from ground to sky and capture every little glistening spark of it. It's bullshit. Nobody wants to see it. There is no reason for it. The only good thing about fireworks is seeing it in person. It, you could argue, not on a camera. Next, people are always like, oh, let's go see the fireworks show. And it's like, it's not a fireworks show, okay? It's Bob, the town alcoholic, who spent this month's child support payment on a box of explosives and is firing them from the back of his pickup truck. Okay, you're all in danger. This is not a show. This is not entertainment. This is someone's midlife crisis happening in front of you. My brother used to set off fireworks from our roof and our old house. He's 14 years older, so I was like very little when he would do this. And it truly is some of my scariest moments of my life. Like I was like, you should not be doing this because those are not safe. And you're doing it off of the roof of our house. Yeah, I should say, I should probably say this point towards the beginning which is this is all colored by the fact that when i was little my aunt's boyfriend this was like when i was very little nothing's ever good when your aunt's boyfriend is involved <laughs> anyone's aunt's boyfriend i say this as an aunt who has a boyfriend yeah he had his eyeball blown out <gasps> from a a firecracker it actually as far as i remember it wasn't his fault it, they were like at a campground or something. Someone from across the campground fired off like one of those small like pop rockety things mm -hmm. and it hit him in the eye. So it was like whenever fireworks would happen, my mom would have like a very specific example to point to <laughs> to scare <Yeah>. us. Uh, <laughs> so sounds like it worked and it worked. Yeah. Yep. Um, but truly, I have not thought about that for 20 something years. And now it's been brought <laughs> to the forefront of my brain. And now we have something to talk about in therapy next week. <laughs> yep. Um, that's the thing, though, is like most just especially in like suburbia outside of cities. It's just like most of these fireworks shows. It's just like some dude in his backyard just putting the town in danger. Also. They cost a shitload of money and they're over in like five minutes. I get more enjoyment of a pint of ice cream than I do from fireworks. I can make that last for hours just riding that wave. <laughs> just peaks and crests of pleasure eating a pint of ice cream. But fireworks, it's over like that. Also, yeah, literally all fireworks are exactly the same. They've been the same. Every year they're the same. There's been no advancement in firework technology in decades. It's not like you're seeing anything you've never seen before. Once you see one firework show, it's like, okay, I get it. I've, see, I've seen them all. Also, the fireworks that are supposed to look like shapes never actually look like the shapes that they're supposed to look like. Sorry. Oh, you went for a cowboy hat? It looks like a blob, just like the rest of them. Okay, this is a blob show. There is only one time in my whole life where something where a firework looked like something and was extremely successful. Let me just paint the picture really quick. So in Chicago, 3rd of July, growing up, I'd go to Grant Park, which is now Millennium Park, and XRT, which is the radio station, would sync up 
music with the fireworks show. I, I think they like worked together. I'm pretty sure it was XRT. It doesn't really matter. The point is you would turn the radio on and then you would watch the fireworks in choreography to the music. And one of the songs was Drops of Jupiter mm-hmm. and the firework looked like a planet and it was the coolest thing i ever saw with a firework and um they can all be canceled now because we did the best we can i think i've seen one firework show that was synced to music the thing about syncing it to music is that the the delay from the boom and then when you see the lights like that delay never syncs up with the music so it's really just the imagery and then your brain gets confused yeah it's literally the basics of thunder and lightning Mm mm-hmm It doesn't make any fucking sense. Next, there's always, always, always some little kid. And I know this because I was that little kid who was like, is this the grand finale? (laughs) Is this the grand finale? Is this the grand finale? (laughs) Is that relatable? (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? It absolutely is. I mean, it's it's the fireworks equivalent of are we there yet? Right. Because there would always be, there's always that moment where there's like a big burst of fireworks and you think it's the end, but they're just cock teasing you. Which like that kid is annoying, but also the pacing of a fireworks show is almost never good. Yeah, because there's there's only two modes. It's either like one firework or like a thousand of them. <laughs> Next, perhaps most importantly, they scare dogs. Do you feel you feel good about yourself, Mr. Firework, that my dog is here shaking and panting and having a a dog panic attack also you can get your thrills? Is this what you wanted? One winter break in college, I went to Costa Rica with my family and we were in like a house in the mountains and there were fireworks going off and the monkeys were fucking screaming (laughs) (laughs) and it was terrifying. Yeah. I think 4th of July must be like peak season for dog Benadryl, a.k.a. Benadryl. Yes, absolutely. Moving on. Sparklers, a.k.a. handheld fireworks, they're just hot chopsticks. Okay. And you can't even look at them for more than like one second because they that tiny pin of light is just searing into your cornea. There is no part of me that enjoys an activity that is based in fear. (laughs) Sure. So sparklers, not a thing for me because you know what I'm afraid of? Uh, Very hot, fiery things that I'm holding in my hand that get closer to me as it goes on. Not a thing. I want to drop it. But then if I drop it, I'm going to drop it on my bare foot. And that's not good either. Also, as a kid, like the one thing you want to do with sparklers is the one thing you shouldn't. Or or I guess two things. One, put it in your mouth. (laughs) And two, (laughs) run with it. And it's like it's just a sharp metal stick that's lit on fire (laughs) that you probably shouldn't run with. That is the thing, though, is that most most fireworks are just looking at bright light. And it's like, okay, let's face it. The only thing I really want to do on Fourth of July is get wasted and eat a tub of potato salad and you're expecting me to focus on bright blinding flashing lights while my head is swimming because it's full of alcohol and hot mayonnaise none of this mixes it doesn't make sense let's see next i don't need things to go boom to have a good time okay sometimes you just want things not to go boom 
I would argue that um, I actually need things not to go boom in order to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, I came out to have a good time. And I'm honestly, there's too many booms for me right now. Fireworks really are just what teenage boys fire at one another in the woods instead of talking about their feelings. <laughs> That's what they were invented for. They were invented to blow stuff up so that teenage boys could do that instead of instead of finding out who they really are. And finally, the only acceptable scenario for fireworks are fireworks that take the form of a terrifying dragon to scare the hobbits celebrating Bilbo Baggins's 111th birthday. <laughs> and that's it. Unless you're a powerful wizard who spends his free time terrorizing a bunch of innocent drunk hole people with flaming dragons, then stop. That is it for this week's Deep Dive. Next, we got Ian Lockwood on the pod right after this commercial break. I'm Bobby Finger. And I'm Lindsay Weber. And I want to tell you about a podcast I think you're going to love. Who Weekly is a podcast about everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. Does celebrity news stress you out? Are there too many people you've literally never heard of? Check out Who Weekly, a podcast hosted by Lindsay Weber and me, Bobby Finger. Each episode goes deep into the biggest who celebrity stories of the moment. And if you're still confused, we even have a weekly call-in episode where we'll answer the most burning listener queries. Who Weekly airs twice weekly with brand new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Listen and follow Who Weekly on the Odyssey app or wherever else you get your podcasts. All right. Well, my guest complainer today is comedian, writer, performer, Ian Lockwood. Ian is the co-host of the live show slash play Hot Teens, <laughs> uh, the experimental comedy show slash party Bingo Bango Bitch, and his new musical comedy EP Nasty is now streaming. Welcome to the pod, Ian. Hello, Matt. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Did I get all of it? I mean, we'll talk about all of the things, but I, there's a lot of like comedy show slash party slash underground experimental craziness. Absolutely. You know, it's 2020. <laughs> things move so fast these days. You got to get the slashes in. It's so important yeah, to do yeah. two things at once. It's not enough to be a multi-hyphenate anymore. You have to be mm -hmm. a, a multi-slash. Yes, it's very important. So I try yes. to sort of bring that energy to everything I do. <laughs> um, well, we like to start by by asking, what is one thing you hate that everybody else loves? Yes. Okay. Bear with me here. Okay. <laughs> We're in for a ride already. <laughs> uh, first person shooter video games. Okay. Okay. <laughs> not as controversial as I was expecting. I feel like <laughs> that is probably right now, like not a bad thing to hate. Well, it's because, so are you a gamer at all? Would you self-describe as a gamer? No, I mean, the most intense I've gotten is like, I missed a couple days of work because of Flappy Bird back in 2013. Because <laughs> I got like, yeah, it was, it was, that's what I, I have like a very addictive personality. And so mm -hmm. I prevented myself from getting any type of gaming console in my apartment because I, I literally won't mm -hmm. leave. Yeah. And did you save it on your phone for like years after he took it off the store? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, there was some okay, I can I can spend literally hours talking about Flappy Bird cuz they uh -huh. changed it. They changed it at one point mm -hmm. and made it like way more difficult. And then mm. the guy was like, "Fuck Flappy Bird. I hate my own creation." And then took it off the app. I know there was a rumor also that like he was 
maybe based in Russia and like was hiding from people and this made him too public and that's what happened. But, uh, but I 100% believe it. If this had happened anywhere near an election, I absolutely would not have gone out and voted. So it was, it was voter suppression. (laughs) Got it. Yes. I agree with that. Okay. But, but first person shooters, here's the thing. I am, I'll admit it, gay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) okay yeah yeah most of my listeners are straight and and homophobic so Mm -hmm. yeah so you know bear with me here guys um (laughs) if you could just look past that um i i am gay and but it took me a really long time to so i was not like a child gay i mean i was very obviously a child gay but not in my own eyes right um so I was fitting in and I, I was, you know, trying to be a masculine little boy. Uh, and I really did enjoy video games as a child. And I just noticed that the one thing I could never get into was first person shooters. And so I'd go to the other masculine little boys houses and play <laughs> video games with them. And it was just not only was it not something I was interested in that they were interested in. It was just a little thing that sort of othered me and made me like different like oh Ian's not good at that it went hand in hand with you know like oh Ian's a little a little different you can tell in his voice uh and it was like oh why is Ian not good at these why can't he play these why can't he fit in and it was like maybe it has to do something with that so I think in a childhood where I was trying to really not feel othered and not get found out I that was like one thing I did. I just totally wanted to avoid first person shooters because it would kind of out me in a way. Right, right. So are we talking like James Bond type like that? I, I guess I'm, I'm like I'm vaguely familiar with, <laughs> with what a it first was first shooter the, the like Call of Duties of the right, world. Right, right. I could just it. the war games I could never connect with because they I guess they weren't subject matter. I was interested in when the other masculine little boys were. yeah. I love saying masculine little boys. Can I keep? Is that allowed? Is that allowed? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the best, the best like um, middle ground game was any of the like wrestling or like WWE games mm. was like masculine, but also like for the gays. It had a little something like, for us. Right, right. It's like <laughs> masculine, but also like WWE. That it's like drag for straight people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is like straight bro drag. And it I'm, is I'm, camp. I'm kind of, I'm super obsessed with the the campy WWE of the '80s. Right. And John Cena kind of currently trying to like curb all of his fans into like being a little more accepting <laughs> is a very interesting process to watch. <laughs> Right, right. So yeah, first person shooter games. That is a good one. What games did you gravitate besides obviously um, you know, the campy WWE that I mm-hmm. imposed on you? <laughs> Absolutely the most beautiful Japanese RPGs that you could ever imagine. Right. You know, the ones where I could self-insert as the beautiful magical girl character. Right. I'd be right. Like, that's me. That's <laughs> Oh, that's me. I can connect with this game. Um that is like bringing up so many memories for me though it's like it's mm-hmm. it was so stupid that like certain things were so gendered in a weird like mm-hmm. playing super smash brothers and it was like god forbid that you chose like princess peach or whoever like Ch- kirby over mm-hmm. anybody else yeah and it was gonna get a comment were you so were you a gay little boy or just a gay adult I'm definitely a gay adult. Uh, uh-huh, okay. I was not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I made that. I made that decision um, mm-hmm. pretty, mm. pretty late. 
Uh, no, I think I'm the same way. It was that like I was certainly a gay child to everybody else, but not <laughs> to myself. And mm-hmm. so I, 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 I tried to to mask it up, but it never worked. No, yeah, I I absolutely envy the the men who you know at fourteen they were like, oh, I figure. I mean, they also absolutely had their own challenges. I guess envy is <laughs> sure, right yeah. Uh, but I I wasn't like hiding from myself. I just right. I, hadn't i had cognitive dissonance and i couldn't like figure it out it was it was strange hmm. no i i was the same way and i've gone to like like drag con in mm-hmm. in new york a couple of times and like to see the kids there who are like flaming in a way that like mm-hmm. and i use that word lovingly adoringly but like mm-hmm. i could never <laughs> and uh yeah it's great i'm glad i put in my years wearing cargo mm-hmm. shorts cargo jorts mm-hmm. my my community was too accepting was the problem <laughs> i like i came from the most li- oh i was actually so i was born and raised in calabasas california kardashian's okay. town and Every time I would say a gay joke or or use the word in front of my dad, who is a complete sweetheart, uh, he would like give me a half chuckle. He'd be like, huh, you know, if you're gay, um, that's totally fine. (laughs) So he would do that. I would get one of those like every month and I would just get madder and madder each time. Right. It became a challenge to not be gay. Yeah, yeah. I my my parents, my mom especially was pretty similar. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. the one time that like she interpreted it as me almost accidentally coming out to her, but she mm-hmm. did the same like, you know, if you're gay, it's totally fine. Like I would I would love you or your brother or whoever. I like dismissively said like, "Okay, good to know." <laughs> and she <laughs> she like called me later and was like, "When you said good to know, <laughs> And it was a whole thing. And I still denied it then. It wasn't until mm-hmm. like a couple of years after that that I even came out. But uh, yeah, I was like, this is, can we, <laughs> in all in good time, okay, Deborah, we'll get but there. But you're good to know is sarcastic, which is kind of even gayer. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If I had meant it not sarcastically, it wouldn't have been gay. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, but yeah. So you grew up in California. So in, and now you live in New York. Yeah. Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Brooklyn, broadcasting New York. live from sunny Williamsburg. Yeah. How how has it been? How is your how's your pandemic been going? It's been interesting. I do live in a studio apartment with my husband. Oh, uh, lovely. <laughs> and we both work out of the house. So that has been interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, but we have a nice little backyard, which is very rare for Brooklyn. And yeah, so that's good. That helps a lot. But I found out in this process that I am the only actual introvert of anyone I know. Um, okay. <laughs> that yeah, that they is. All started, hmm. That is like a thing. I feel like people are learning what introvert and extrovert actually mean mm-hmm. in the past few months. They like the people who thought that they were introverts have started coming out of the woodwork and being like, okay, I gotta see my friends. I miss hugging them. And I'm like, I uh, will get back to you guys. Right, right. Uh, (laughs) No, I relate to that. I think, Mm -hmm. um, are are you absolutely just fucking loving it then? Of like not (laughs) feeling obligated to show up to anything? 
Honestly, kind of, yeah. It's been <laughs> it's been a good few years of like having day jobs and working on comedy and uh, having social lives and oh, and the politicking of the comedy scene. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and so to just have those concerns sort of narrowed down has been really nice for a period. I guess I am starting to be like, okay, let's. I mean, uh, I, I am starting to feel it because. As much of an introvert as I want to say I am, and as much of a not like other gays gay I want to say I am, like <laughs> it's summer, I need to go outside in a tank top. So I'm yeah. feeling it. <laughs> right, right. I do feel like all of the gays that I follow are, it's like a survival thing that they're mm-hmm. like, we're, we're just going to pretend like the pandemic is over because... We have we have short shorts to show off. We have tank tops to show off. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah, that's part of our that's part of what keeps us alive. What am I to do? I and it's uh, why we'll die. Yes, posting it online is only I I can't get exactly the feedback that I need. You know, right? Exactly. Uh huh. Have you been slutty online? <laughs> In, has quarantine made you be slutty online? Not really. I'm actually starting to get back into like feeling excited about like swiping on the apps again. Ooh. Just it, it feels like there's more of a prospect of like meeting up with someone like meeting at a park or something like that which has you know i mean like you know meeting up having a having a beverage not mm-hmm, meeting mm-hmm. up in a park and behind the bushes <laughs> but yeah i don't know but it has been cuz so many of the conversations on these apps i'm just like i don't what is the point right now yeah if it's not if it's just to talk to someone in, insane right and it has Everyone's attention span is like 48 hours at best. So unless yeah. you can lock down an in-person date in that time, it's like, what is the point? Anyway. You're having entire relationships beginning to end. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I literally, I, I have, right. Where it feels like I get to a point where like I, we move it off the app, we start texting one another and then it's just like, meh, it kind of fizzles and we haven't even met one another. It's, mm-hmm. it's strange. Well, I met my husband on Tinder, so I would recommend okay. it. But those sons of bitches were, were going to give us T-shirts. They asked our T-shirt. Sure. I reached out to them. I was like, sponsor my wedding. They gave me, <laughs> they offered T-shirts. I didn't even take them. Yeah, you very well could have gotten married in Tinder T-shirts. Yeah, I think that that's homophobic, them not offering to pay for my entire wedding. <laughs> yeah, that it's the least that they could do for what we put up with. It is funny to me that like gay Tinder, I guess like straight Tinder is basically like straight grinder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But gay Tinder is very relationship focused. It's like I'm here to meet someone. I guess so. It does feel like the most casual of of mm-hmm. all of them. But I I I also feel like so much of it is just like personal experience. Like, there's no, it's like you met your husband on Tinder. Obviously, you endorse, like, you know, you had a good experience on it. You meet mm-hmm. someone else who, like, met an absolute asshole on Tinder, and they're going to be like, guess what? Everybody on Tinder is an asshole. Yes, but truly, it's, very it's just hard. a tool and just a reflection of yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's all just projection. Yeah. But I wish you luck. I think it's going to go really well in the, in the post-quarantine world. We'll see. I, I can't tell if everybody is going to, like, come out of quarantine just... 
either so hungry mm-hmm. for affection that it's just going to be like everybody just going through one another like crazy oh, or yeah. if it's going to be the other way which is like preparing for the second wave and like mm-hmm. wanting to lock someone down yeah i really want my my friends to hook up and reveal that they've had like sexual tension the whole time i think that would be fun <laughs> yeah but yeah i think it's gonna be crazy I, honestly i hope this isn't too forward but are you looking to be like a, th- a third husband in a group of three husbands because <laughs> i mean we're always looking to just like marry another guy i mean i uh don't know if i could live in a studio apartment <laughs> okay it's kind of big Honestly. Okay. All right. Only if Tinder sponsors our our wedding. Whatever I'm whatever so, you I'm call so the additional the addition of a third spouse, whatever that is. Oh no, I I was about to uh, I can't. I was about to think about Tiger King and we can't. We can't. It's past the time. <laughs> no more. We can't do it anymore. Yeah, that story really really came and went. Pretty mm-hmm. hard, pretty fast. We all ate it up. We all just completely consumed it, and we gotta, we gotta move to something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the album Ooh, "Nasty." Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, tell me, because this released in quarantine, mm-hmm. it actually, I think, helped ultimately a lot. Yeah. Well, okay, so for people who have no idea from the beginning, what is Mm -hmm. the album? So the album is an EP, a five-song EP Mm -hmm. of uh, comedy pop songs. Right. And this pop is in the style of the music that I really like, which is your Kim Petrus's, your Ariana Grande, uh, your Taylor Swift, absolutely. And uh, I just have been performing these songs around New York City for like a year, year and a half. And then I just put in a lot of hours with uh, my friend and collaborator, Dave Bowers, to turn it into a fully produced sort of professional project. And my goal for this was sort of musical music comedy that was both extremely laugh out loud funny to completely compliment myself. Uh, (laughs) And at the same time, yes, at the same time would be something that like if you put it on at a house party and people in the other room could not hear the lyrics, they would not go what's this <laughs> somebody choose something else they it would be like okay this is an okay pop song i like this so uh that was the project and released it during quarantine and nobody had anything to do so that kind of helped me out a little bit <laughs> yeah it is always good if if, if you're throwing stuff into a, a, a cultural void right now mm-hmm. <laughs> that yeah you're gonna you're gonna get an audience no matter what yeah, and it was especially with the medium because I did a, a I did I released one music video and a couple of lyric videos, uh, which is important. But I was like, how am I going to get people to listen right. to music? And uh, surprisingly, uh, it worked out pretty well. Yeah, because it was all like produced in quarantine, pretty much too, right? Uh, just the last bit of it. So I was able to go into the studio before quarantine, uh, which, yeah, I don't know how I would have been able to do it (laughs) in that time. But then I had a whole music video shoot planned out uh, with lots of locations and people helping me out with dancing. And then that I couldn't do. So I got a little green screen and I set it up and I made a music video for one of the songs that has, I want to say, like 20 copies of me doing every single part. (laughs) Right. And that was very fun. It's been interesting seeing what's been coming out in quarantine. People have been getting very creative. Yeah. What was the name of that video again? So people know to to be able to look it up. Uh That that song is uh, 
I don't think in parentheses, this is the club. Right, right. Uh, it tells the saga of a uh, young man, me, who uh, is ready to just sort of, he's been working for the weekend. He's ready to party all night long and, and dance the night away, but just cannot ever manage to find the club and keeps getting trapped in wacky situations. He's at the pool. Mm. He's at the Liberty Bell. He doesn't know what to do. <laughs> but it does take kind of, I, I would say, give it a listen it takes kind of a crazy dark turn i don't want to give it away uh but that's sort of my philosophy for a lot of this music is i like to sort of lob you serve you up a little joke uh that i think you'll like for like two minutes and then at that point be like mm, how about i just go fucking crazy and that's where it goes <laughs> Let's move to a segment we call Elaborate, which is um, we have some of your tweets where you've expressed your uh, displeasure of something, and mm-hmm. um, I just will have you elaborate on them. You don't use the okay. word hate that often. I will, I oh, will commend you on that. Yeah. Okay. Good for you uh, as an individual. Bad mm-hmm. for this segment. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this might this might be kind of flat, but good for me. No, well, one I'm one <laughs> I'm fascinated by just whether you are just throwing your husband under the bus is that <laughs> was the tweet about him asking to put on music while he does the dishes and then he puts on uh, Skimbleshanks the Railway Cat from the movie Cats. <laughs> Yeah, I'm fascinated as to whether that is a joke or if it's accurate. And I think either way, it is a cause for concern. It is 100% true. Um, (laughs) And that is more cause for concern. Yeah. Little background on him. He's an indie film distributor. Okay. uh, And literally calls up movie theaters and is like, I have a a small film and you should give it some screens. Which is really neat. And he has slightly contrarian opinions on film film in that i don't know what his bar is he thinks everything is great and he loved cats he was obsessed <laughs> with it he thought it was a work of art like unironically loved it completely unironically and he absolutely puts on skimble shanks the railway cat all the time in my house i sing along now it's it's a bonding experience you know yeah i had never seen the musical cats before i saw the movie cats for the first time uh-huh. And yeah, I mean, by the first chorus, you know every single word of the song Skimbleshanks, the railway cat. Uh-huh. Like, so Absolutely. it is it is hard not it's like designed to corrupt your brain immediately. Mm-hmm. That said, as much as I didn't really love cats, I have to put it in my top ten films of all time <laughs> because I need to have Taylor Swift continue to get acting jobs. It's my favorite thing to see in the entire world. I love. Another tweet. This was the worst thing ever just happened to me. Do you know what this is going to be? Wait, no. (laughs) Okay, the worst thing ever just happened to me. I walked into a bathroom stall at my WeWork as a guy was exiting, and he looked at me and said, "Uh, I warmed it up for you. Yeah, yeah, that's real. Jesus Christ. (laughs) That happened to me. That is so uh, upsetting. He he just went, he gave me like a friendly, like, hey, it warmed it up for you. And, oh. and I hated it. The WeWork is, is the we I I guess this is political. The we the WeWorks I've worked in in my life have been so full of like weird bad men. Uh-huh. The crazy thing about it is that they go even weirder because I guess usually weird bad men exist at the top of power structures. Right. But men just working for themselves in a WeWork exist at 
the top of their own independent power structure. Right. That's how they store. That's where they grow those men. <laughs> yeah. That's a farm for them. Yeah. I once saw one of those men just like go to the coffee milk fridge and pour himself the biggest glass of plain milk I've ever seen oh. and just drink it. It was, it was, I was so proud. I was like, you're living your truth and I love that for you. Uh, yeah, sure. Like, why, why not? <laughs> Great for him. I do think, yeah, one of the sales, like the, the selling points for those types of places is like, mm-hmm. but you know, if you work for yourself, you can like socialize with all these other people. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to any of those people. No. <laughs> Jesus, this is the never. last people I want to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I I think any type, especially in a men's room, unless everybody in there is gay, in which case it's mm-hmm. not even a bathroom anymore. It's just an no, extension no. of wherever you were to begin with. <laughs> any type of exchange of, of words is absolutely illegal. <laughs> yeah, I hate it. I don't want to be talked to. I just want, I just want to be left alone. But when they are in gay spaces, they are absolutely free-for-alls and sometimes just very friendly. I remember walking into a bathroom at The Eagle in New York City, which is a uh, leather bar, and a man, you know, sitting amongst the urinals was like, hey, would you like to piss in my mouth? And I was like... (laughs) No, thank you. And he was like, hey, no problem. I hope you're having a great time tonight. And I was like, I am. Thank you. Yeah, there is um, a level of cordiality, I feel like, that does not exist anywhere else. Yeah, I and, and respect and, and openness, which I love. Right, exactly. On that note, <laughs> um, <laughs> before we let you go, where can people find you and your work? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Mr. Ian Lockwood, Mr. Ian Lockwood, because a horrible man who works in digital marketing has <laughs> at Ian Lockwood, and he, yeah. I, I have thoughts on him. We'll save it for another time. Sure. Uh, and I would love if people would find me on YouTube, because I'm doing videos for these songs, uh, search Ian Lockwood Nasty, and you will find my channel. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I hope that you and your husband don't murder one another. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Roy, we're almost there. We're almost at the end of the show. But first, our chasers. Chasers are the good stuff that helps all the bad shit go down easier, starting with Do Better White People, where we recommend resources, aka the good stuff, to take racism, aka the bad shit, down. Barry, you pick the topic this week. What are we highlighting? This week, our other producer, Melissa, and I wanted to highlight a mutual aid initiative called Wash Masks. It's one word, Wash Masks. Their aim is to provide masks for farm workers in Washington state. So a little background. This work is important because a lot of farm workers are migrant workers. The majority are foreign born and identify as Latinx or Hispanic. And they're especially vulnerable during COVID-19. Here's some stats. There are some 2.4 million farm workers in the U.S., and of those 2.4 million, anywhere between 47 and 70 percent are undocumented. So there are a lot of migrant farm workers who don't have health insurance, and their working conditions are certainly not up to the CDC standards. So when you take a bite out of your salad, I don't know, just think for a second about the working conditions of the people who are picking that food and how you can help. And here's one of the ways you can check out mutual aids like wash masks. You can help them by buying masks and donating them. Or if you're crafty and know how to sew, you can actually make masks and donate those. 
Yeah, we can link to that organization and some articles on the subject in our show notes. All right, let's get into the TV we're watching this week. Barry, what you been watching? So I know you started watching I May Destroy You, but I was a little behind, but now I'm all caught up and holy shit, that show is so good. I know. Michaela Cole is just amazing. I love her. I mean, like the range, the range she has, like fucking chewing gum and now this and the fact that she like wrote both is starring in both. Like she is a powerhouse and it's such an interesting show and the format and the pacing of it is unlike anything I've really seen before. And I just love her. So, yeah, that's what I'm watching this week. Nice. What about you? Well, mine is going to be something that I have not seen as of this recording. Okay. But I will be watching it before this episode comes out because it comes out on July 3rd. And that is Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. I am one of really the only single-digit New Yorkers who has not seen Hamilton ever. Same. I am one of those as well. I know like almost all of it because I've listened to the album, but I'm very excited to actually see it, especially considering that Broadway was like, guess what? We're not coming back for the rest of the year. So when I tell you (laughs) that I was listening to Hades Town and just started crying because I realized Uh, that like all of these people aren't going to be able to do what they love and what they're so good at. uh, I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how like live shows like this get (laughs) like how what happens or are shows gonna like start being released in this way i don't i don't know but i'm excited to see hamilton um and finally have a visual for what has been in my brain this whole time yay what is your non-tv chaser my non-tv chaser this week is an episode of thirst aid kit we've had the co-hosts bim and nicole on the show before but they did an episode called A Dog Called Rex. And I know I'm like two or three weeks late to this, but I still maybe maybe people on here are also late to this. And they interview Jason Manzukis, who, of course, we love. I don't want to say even too much about it because I just want people to go listen to it. But basically, Thirst Aid Kit had done an episode and had talked about Jason before. And then Jason listened to that episode and then came on the podcast and talked with Bim and Nicole and oh my God. it is so, I mean, it's so funny and so good. And like the amount of blushing that I was doing as a listener, I cannot imagine being Bim and Nicole in this scenario. Like it is, I was screaming. Uh, it was so fun and good and just like a, a perfect episode. So uh, I loved it. It brought me a lot of joy. And I super recommend Thirst Aid Kit in general, but especially that episode. Uh, yes. Remember one of the last restaurants we went to was in LA and we saw him. We saw him and John Ham. <laughs> I freaked out. I freaked out way more about Jason Manzukas than I did about John Ham. Yeah. Um yeah. Well, what's your non-TV chaser? Mine is a book. Yeah, it's another book, okay? Oh, oh, Guess nerd, what? You read? I read. I've been trying to do this thing where I I'll buy a book and then I I read it. <laughs> Absolutely revolutionary. Yeah. And not just like I'll I'll buy like four books and I'll actually read all four of them. Not just like buy four, read one of those and then buy another four and read one of those. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um that being said, my uh, my overall percent books read to books bought is still pretty low, but I'm <laughs> I'm 
doing my best. But anyway, this book popped up on my feed this week. I think because there was some story maybe this week about the TV rights or something being sold. And I immediately bought it. It came out last year. It's called Red, White and Royal Blue. It was like a major bestseller. So a bunch of people have probably already read it. But it's by Casey McQuiston. And it's just like the perfect summer like escapist read without giving too much away. It is about the son of the first female president of the United States. And he has this rivalry with the Prince of England. And I don't know, maybe they fall in love. (laughs) It it is so like almost fan fiction-y, but it is better than it. It's like a fan fiction because it's not about like Draco and Harry Potter. Um, But basically, uh, but it's just like so like heartwarming and lovely and just like a fun, nice escapist read. Highly recommend. Uh, it made me so happy. Amazing. And it's super gay. And even though Pride Month is over, uh, I'm going to be extra gay uh, out of spite. <laughs> Good. So there you go. Let that be our firework. And that is it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening to Unhappy Hour. You can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Hit that subscribe button that rate us and review us, but only if it's nice. I don't want to hear your shit. Unhappy Hour is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. It's produced by Barry Finkel, Melissa Slaughter, and me, Matt Belisai. Special thanks to Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. Our music is by Hans Dale Sue. You can bother Barry at Finkelberry Pie. You can worship me at Matt Belisai. And you can follow Unhappy Hour Pod on Twitter for all the latest podcast buzz. And... You can leave us a voicemail on our rant hotline. Leave us your rant. We might feature it in an upcoming show at 601-600-RANT. That's 601-600-7268. And that's it. That's everything. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Uh, Bye-bye. Because, baby, you're a plastic bag. You're better than a firework because you'll never disintegrate. I don't know. (laughs) If you need to, I don't know. (laughs) What's your intro word to get you in the, in the accent? Croiky. No, that's Australian. Try you're a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. If you need to pee, please do so at least 30 metres from locks or streams. If you need to defecate, do so as far away... (laughs) I'm really losing this accent. (laughs)